Hi, it's Lisa. Welcome back to The Healing Path, a podcast created to connect our broken hearts as we journey into honest conversations about grief and loss in our daily lives. Following the deaths of two of my children, I struggled for many years to fill the holes in my heart. I felt like I tried everything, prayer, meditation, therapy, coaching, reading, journaling, waiting, begging, you name it. Plus, I tried a few less productive and healthy approaches. And after two decades of continuing to grieve, it occurred to me that maybe I'd set the wrong goal. Instead of trying to feel better by filling those painful voids, I've learned that building a life around them is a much more attainable target. Speaking openly about my experience of grief and helping to support others to do the same serve as regular reminders that we are not alone. When we allow all the parts of us to have an expression of life, including and especially the painful ones, we may just feel more human and less like robots on autopilot. So I created the Healing Path podcast with the hope that sharing our stories in a mutually compassionate environment will help us to stop working so hard to hide our scars from ourselves and others and start wearing them proudly as the medals of love that they are. So thank you for joining this episode of The Healing Path. Today, I'm chatting about a post that ties grief and the diagnosis maybe you had when you were a kid of swimmer's ear into a metaphor. This was shared October 2nd, 2023 on the blog, and here is swimmer's ear. I love the water. I like the sounds it makes, the shapes it takes, and all the magic that goes on underneath the surface. As a child, I did anything I could to get near it. I jumped from the high diving boards into public pools. I went on overnight boating trips. I played for hours on the beach, building things from sand, only to have them washed away in a flash. I learned how to put a minnow on my fishing pole hook so I could fish. And I also learned it's a bad idea as a toddler to jump off the dock into the lake when you drop your pole in the water accidentally, especially when the only adult around is stuck in a sailboat with no way to get to shore. Yikes. My love of water expands into rainstorms. The bigger, the louder, and the harder the rain comes down, the more I want to be undercover, but up close and personal, just on the dry side of that rain curtain. I can watch it coming down in sheets for hours, blowing in all directions and exploding through the air. I love water. But water hasn't always loved me. As a kid, I went to overnight camp where I learned to water ski. The first time I saw someone my size, a kid size, being pulled across the water on skis, I was hooked. There was nothing like that feeling of the first full stretch to stand tall and glide across the water with the boat pulling you. And water skiing was just the beginning. We also swam, kayaked, canoed, sailed, and played water games that we made up. I spent significant amounts of time in the water at camp, and that unfortunately meant 
I would also spend a significant amount of time in the camp, quote unquote, infirmary, as it used to be called. Because sooner or later, a droplet of water from my water activity escapades during the day would find its way down into the cracks and crevices of my inner ear at night, where it would wake me from slumber with an unbearable pain. When this happened, I went to the nurse in tears, and she did what she could to comfort me. But most times, my swimmer's ear infections required more than nursing interventions. Sure, administration of eardrops, staying out of the water, and positioning the compromised ear side down (laughs) to help things drain were usually quick and effective nursing treatments. Yet somehow, I always ended up with a fever and other symptoms that garnered me multiple trips into the local town's emergency room. It became an annual tradition, no matter what any of us did. And it eventually evolved into a standing joke, both at camp and at the local hospital. There was nothing funny, though, about those ear infections. The pain was brutal. Being sick in the infirmary, where I couldn't get comfortable or distract myself, of course, there were no phones, tablets, internet, etc. in those days. So being in the infirmary where I couldn't get comfortable or distract myself, as I was saying, while I listened to all the fun being had by my fellow campers with intact ears, that was just lame. And going to summer camp only to be restricted to land and non-water activities was miserable for me. One minute, I was flying high on one water ski over the water as if gravity and I had become one. And the next, I was back in the nurse's car, listening to AM radio and heading into town for antibiotics. You might be thinking, well, why not just stay out of the water? If water activities repeatedly landed me in the ER every summer, why would I continue to do them? And I agree, it would have made sense to stay out of harm's way by not repeating history and instead opting for land-only dry activities. Why would I go back into the water summer after summer with the latest and greatest earplugs, lambs lamb's wool inserts, ointments, and all kinds of other remedies to keep me ear infection free for my three-week stay. Wouldn't it have just been easier to learn to love arts and crafts? Yes, it would have been easier on my health to stay out of the water. I could have avoided the ear pain by not participating in water sports. However, at some point, my personal experience of summer camp became defined by water skiing and other water activities. It was the only part of my life where living in a wet bathing suit (laughs) seemed like my most natural state. I could have opted out to save myself from future suffering by doing boondoggle and 
playing more tennis and capture the flag, I guess. But then there would have been no tall, victorious stretch as I rose up out of the water into my Wonder Woman skiing stance. (laughs) I'd have missed gliding across the sleeping lake, just inches above the water. I wouldn't have learned how to recover from a capsized boat, or how to win a water polo game by more than just luck. Being at camp was being in the water for me. And anything else was a spectator sport, and I knew it at a young age. So I jumped into the water and thus repeated swimmer's ear infections willingly. It was just part of the package. Sure, I wondered why other kids did this with ease and no discomfort and no swimmer's ear for a minute, (sighs) but I didn't waste my time complaining or even feeling victimized. It was more like a curiosity. Either way, I knew if I wanted the experience of water sports, I knew there would also be some healthcare shenanigans to deal with. And although I didn't love the idea of them, I knew they were just organically part of the deal. And the deal was this. If you don't want swimmer's ear, stay out of the water. (laughs) And it was a deal that I was unwilling to make. Which brings me to the life deal that we as humans all consent to by being alive, even though we pretend that it's not real. We know that if we love people, we will also be devastated when they're gone. We know that we will predecease some folks, but mostly we'll tend a lot of funerals as we age. And we also know that the list of people on our prayer lists will continue to grow with each passing season. And yet, we still jump into the nature of our humanity when we regularly allow ourselves to love and be loved. (laughs) We create circles of tradition and memories and connection We engage with the world, even though we know, we know nothing lasts forever. Why do we do this? Because, much like the water was camp, love is life. There is no doing life without love. Sure, we can go through the motions, making a living and not doing much else. But that would be too much like staying on land for fear of contracting swimmer's ear. I'm not saying it's easy to love someone and then lose them. But I am saying (laughs) there is zero mystery in how things will inevitably shake out. I'm talking existentially here. If we are fortunate enough to live at all, not only will all people around us die, but so will we. Will it be easy? Hell no. (laughs) Will having this knowledge somehow help us learn to protect or shield ourselves from future suffering and grief? (laughs) A second. Hell no. (laughs) We can't. We can't protect ourselves. Grief and loss 
are organically part of our human deal, which is just this. We get to love and we get to lose. If we don't want the pain, we will have to stay on land and stay out of the water. And as many times as my heart breaks again and again for the deaths of my children, friends, mentors, family members, and even people that I do not know personally, staying dry at the cost of doing life without love, (laughs) it's just a deal I guess I'm still unwilling to make. So welcome back to the Healing Path Podcast, and thanks again for joining. And I want to pull a a couple of points out of this post. The first is we're talking about knowing the deal that we're in. And I talked in the post about, you know, two different ways of looking at this. One was the swimmer's ear example where, you know, (laughs) I knew that I was going to get swimmer's ear every time, every summer. And after trying to stay out of the water, you know, I just figured it was worth the risk. That was the deal. The deal was if I was going to get in the water, there was going to be some kind of shenanigans, I think was the word I used, you know, fever, there was something sore, th- something was going to happen, whatever. And it was just part of the fun of it. It, it. it just became part of the deal. And the other example I gave, of course, which is a much more blunt and less comic um, example and metaphor is just this idea that if we're alive, we know that we're going to die. And that goes for everyone and everything and every life force and expression of life around us. Yes, that's true. But yet we still get involved with one another. We still fall in love. We still want to procreate. We still want to build things and invent things and design things that will be here once we're gone or that maybe weren't here before we came to the earth. And the question was, why? You know, why do we do this again and again, similar to jumping in the water, knowing that I would probably get an ear infection, is Again, we're looking at the calculated, you know, risk and we're saying, okay, what are the chances that everyone in my life would be taken away from me? Or, you know, I don't think most of us actually have these um, types of um, meditative, uh, contemplative thought processes where we're actually thinking about these things consciously. But that's, you know, part of the reason that I'm doing this work is because it's helped me so much. But so going back to knowing the deal you're in, the swimmer's year example and the life and love example, um, I the first point I really want to pull out of the post is it's just critical to know we all need to know the deals that we're in. Most of us are in more than one. And if we're in more than one, that's a separate post. Um, but what I would say is know the deal you're in because how can you calculate risk if you don't? Then when it comes time to make decisions, you have something to calculate because you know the deal that you're in. So that's the point, uh, the first point that I wanted to pull out. And that kind of leads into this idea of calculating risks. And and what does that actually mean? Do we have the data? <laughs> Do we have accurate intel? Do we have the information that we need to, to truly um, weigh out risks and benefits of something or pros and cons or however you want to look at it? But I, again, I would say knowing the deals that we're in does help us calculate risk. 
And some with some risks are obviously worth taking. Um, and I would argue in my third point that I'm pulling out here is that life without love, <laughs> that's not one of them. Life without love is not a risk that we take. It's actually um, inhumane. So it's it's possible for creatures uh, to go through the life process and to, you know, do nothing but work and procreate and, you know, sleep, eat, take care of the fundamentals, that kind of thing. They're creatures. But we are human beings. We are not human creatures. That means that we get to actively participate in our own life experience. And that's you know, kind of puts us at the top of the evolution food chain. But life without love, that's not an experience of life. Life without love, it's just some kind of survival. And I'm not going for survival. <laughs> I tried that for a while. It's not very fun. <laughs> it's it kind of boring. Um, I'm going for, you know, thriving. I'm going for f- profound life experience. Um, So yeah, I'm going to get my heart stomped on at the same time because the two go together. But that is a risk that I've calculated and very intentionally, um, regardless of all the pain and the sorrow from people close to me that I have lost and knowing that every single day, my son, who is miraculously 24 years old, is as vulnerable as he can be in terms of his life expectancy. And I have that to look at every single day. And that is a risk that I'm willing to take. Love for a life with love is worth it. And yeah, that's what I've got for today. So I appreciate you checking in. And uh, as always, would love to hear your comments on this and appreciate the indulgence with my (laughs) metaphors. Um, I look forward to connecting with you again. And until then, let's do our best to stay present, to stay grateful, and to stay healing. And as always, I sincerely thank you for listening.